that's where you're wrong. Because you just said it looks nice if you want to take advantage of the situation and become a slum landlord where all you do is you love your money. That's the root of all evil. And I'm not interested in that. Anything that's going to give you happiness, success, prosperity, you know, great relationships requires work. This is why there's so many divorces at the moment. It's because people think it's easy and they think that once it starts getting a bit tough, we'll have an affair. Julian, as a, a property investor and developer, why should we even care about design? Ah, so we were having a chat in the, in the cafe about this. Um, and it's a really important question, obviously. Uh, and all I can really do is, is, is just share with you the research that I've done. Um, because I'm not a designer by, you know, trade. I, I taught myself design. Uh, and so, yes, why is design so important? In, and I'll, I'll go, okay, so there's design in business and there's design in property but i would say every design covers everything mm -hmm. so you could say to me you know why is design so important when you're building a website and the answer would be well if you don't think about designing your website no one's going to buy anything and it's the same really in business as well if you do any kind of research on successfully selling product um a lot of a lot of um you'll find a lot of research that would suggest that companies that invest in design always perform better than companies that don't um, and I would say, you know, I, I think I quoted Apple and Porsche. Yeah. So, you know, I tend to, I've done, a, a, when I've done my research and I've taught myself about design, I've, I tend to design things like Apple and Porsche do. I've looked at the way they design their products and the way they think about products. And if you look at the figures from Porsche, and I quoted this to you, Porsche make 37,000 pounds more per vehicle that they sell. So every vehicle that Porsche sells, they make 37,000 pounds and Ford make a loss. Now, uh, and Porsche, by the way, if you look at the numbers, Porsche sell as many cars in a year than Ford sell in America in two days. Wow. And, and Porsche makes 47,000 pounds per car more than Ford. If we look at Apple, who are also a design led company, uh, Compared to their closest competitor, which is Samsung, mm -hmm. Apple have got 10 times less product, but they make twice as much profit. Um, so to well, me- Aren't they just brilliant marketeers as opposed to designers? Well, if you look at the person that created Apple, Steve Jobs, mm -hmm. he was very design-led. Um, and if you look at when Apple really took off, their product was design-focused. Remember the iMac that was colored? Yeah totally revolutionized the industry. The iPhone totally revolutionized the industry. It all came down to design. Uh, and so, yes, Steve Jobs was a great marketer, but if he didn't have a well-designed product, all the marketing in the world would have done nothing. So I would say, why is design important in business? If, uh, if you do any research on, you know, how do you make a business successful in a competitive market, it would say, differentiate your product, create a great product. So I would say that's the importance of design. If you want to make higher profits, then you're not going to make higher profits just creating an average product. You'll only have average results if you create an average product. You'll create, have great results if you create a great product. That's why I think design is important. And from a personal perspective, as a property investor myself, I got into, we were just talking about when we met, I got, got into HMOs 
in 20 i bought my first hmo in tw end of 2013 and you were a pin host at the time yeah so do you remember what they, about that yeah do you remember what they used to do at pin meetings in those days they used to go hands up in the room who wants to buy an hmo that was the that was the kind of the beginning thing do you remember what everyone in the room yeah, pretty yeah. much everyone in the room put was, their hand up it was definitely it was the buzzword for a number of years yeah and, you know we we did that as a core core model for a long time right so i'm in the room i wasn't a pin host i was just in the room at the time just trying to find work and network as a but project uh, manager. Well, i was doing project management at the time but i'm also thinking about investing i had some money to invest and hmo is a good strategy and i've always looked at that strategy from when i was 21 i lived in an hmo and i thought it was good but then if you're in a room full of investors and remember i said uh you know one of the key principles from that warren buffett will tell you is don't follow the herd okay so i'm in a room full of people uh and i'm wanting to invest in hmos and when the pin host goes hands up in the room who wants to invest in hmos and everyone puts their hand up you're basically following the herd if you're going to be using the same strategy so if you're going to be following the herd and following a strategy that a lot of people are going to follow then you have to look at so how do i make a profit in a strategy where everyone's doing it and if you were to ask that question on google how do you make a profit in a competitive market it would say differentiate your product yes so that's why i felt design was really important and then going back years when i was a estate agent the first thing i learned as an estate agent, estate agent yeah so i got into, so started into property i've also been a lettings manager i've also been a sourcing agent i've been a, so there's lots of things so i've got 25 years in property one of the first things i learned as an estate agent was a well-presented property will sell like that. Mm. So when when I I, I was a, seat, a junior negotiator, we would sit in the office, and when the phone, we we'd know every morning we'd have a we'd go through all the properties that were on the books, and then we'd sit by the phone and wait for the phone to ring. And I'd always have you know it would be a race to the phone because someone said I'm wanting to spend that much, and you had a really good property on, you knew one viewing you'd sell it. So you know that's why design is important because number one a product will sell faster a product will sell for more money so if you're looking at getting a higher valuation you're not going to get high valuation if your property is average so that's why design is important and the other thing is as well you get better customers you get more loyal customers this is why apple makes so much profit and porsche makes so much profit you're a porsche dude you're an apple dude you know you're loyal to the brand and and that's because it's a great product yeah. people aren't going to be loyal to a brand if it's a crap product so I want customer loyalty. And again, we were talking about tenants and you, we were talking about our strategies and you said, I don't think your strategy works. And I've gone, well, how, how long is your average tenancy? And you've gone nine months. And I've gone, well, my longest tenant's been with me 10 years. And my average, I couldn't give you an average because most of my tenants haven't left me yet. So that's why design is important. I'm not, I'm not doing it because you know I'm a designer. I'm doing it because I felt design was really important when I was investing. And when I'm going to property meetings and I'm seeing people idolizing people that are producing an absolutely crap product, I'm going, they're following the herd, they're doing the average. And if everyone's wanting to get educated in property and no one's talking about design, there's a niche there. And yeah. So when we, when we uh, say people are sticking their hand up to one learn about HMOs, predominantly what they're saying is they want to make profit from property. And HMOs is one of the ways that you'll make the most money in terms of cash flow from, from totally agree. building. So where do we strike the balance in terms of what's designed? Because if I think about the very first time I got involved in HMOs and I started looking at property and I went around Birmingham looking at other rooms to let 
and it was essentially somebody that I hadn't seen for a while moved to the area, he was looking for a room to rent, and we said, let's go around trying to find you a room. This is before I was involved in HMOs, and it's quite surprising what was available. It wasn't that different from what we were doing as student lettings, which was quite a long time earlier than that. Effectively, a brown swirly carpet, a pine bed in the corner, stripy blue mattress, uh, and that was the, the room to let. So when I got involved in HMOs, that was the market, and it was just we had to make something a little bit nicer than that. So uh, a few. Uh, why did you fluffy, have to? Why did why, did? why did you have to make? Well, it actually, let me let me uh, explain that. So we wanted to create something better, uh, better than what's already there. One, because we thought it could easily be done. Uh, secondly, we thought, as you said, you'd get better clients and you'd sell it um, faster, and maybe people stay longer. But that wasn't really the thinking at that time. But that's uh, certainly a side benefit. So we just had to be marginally better than everybody else is the point I'm trying to make. So where do we strike a balance of how far do we go with designing something? Okay, interesting. Because that's what most people think about design is they'll look at the visual part of the design and they'll think, I only have to be marginally better. Um, and the, there's, I mean, it's a big question because I'm having to try and educate on what is design. Okay, so the I kind of say, what is the what the question is? So, how far do you go with design? What is design? So, <clears throat> I would say that the big priority, and this is where a lot of people get design wrong in property, is in property the designer is different to a stager or a cushion filler or whatever. In, in property, the designer is responsible for things at the earliest stage. If you're looking at a bigger project, commercial project, the designer covers everything from doing the layout plans, the M&E, the material specifications. There's a lot of thought that goes into the it. The more functionality comes into it. Well, the role of the designer in this industry, if you go up to a higher level, is they're very involved with everything at the earliest stage all the way through to the end. And to me, I don't think there's any difference between a small project and a massive project. It's just a smaller version of the bigger of the bigger project. In fact, the bigger it is, the easier it gets. The smaller, you still have to put as much effort in. So I would say that if you think about design from a kind of, uh, is the word holistic point of view, um, you've got to think about what the design priorities for the project. So from a, a design thinking perspective, if you're looking at HMOs, yes, superficially, visual, visual appeal will attract a customer faster if it, like you say you wanted to differentiate your product and by differentiating your product you'll find a customer faster uh, and you'll get a higher price that's fine that's marketing so visual stuff is marketing but that's at the superficial that is that's marketing okay so you're you're addressing the property and it is easy to do the hard part is making the property a great place to live because you, what you don't see is what's important once you start using the product. So, for example, you know, what if you talked about those stripy blue mattresses? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever slept on a bed with a stripy blue mattress? I haven't. Okay. I recommend that you do. <laughs> They're really uncomfortable. Yeah. So, the question is, how long are you prepared to live in a room with a really uncomfortable yes, mattress? Yeah. The next question is, you know, and a lot of people miss this, is the functionality of a kitchen is really important in an HMO. And if you get the design of the kitchen wrong, you can have. Uh, let's say a lack of storage. So what happens if you've got a lack of storage in a kitchen in an eight bed HMO, you've got a lack of storage in that kitchen. What's gonna to happen to that kitchen in let's say a year? It's gonna be messy. 
cluttered very quickly. Cluttered. So is somebody going to want to live in a house and pay a higher rent, which you've thought, okay, superficially, I can charge a higher rent because I put nice cushions and feature wall in, but they start living in it and the kitchen's a mess and the mattress is uncomfortable. They're only going to stay there for nine months. Whereas if you're actually thinking about design in the correct way, um, like a big project designer would, you're kind of thinking, okay, colour is the last thing I'm going to be thinking about. I need to think about what is going to keep people happy when they're living in this property. So things like comfort, things like storage, making sure that everything's in a logical place so that when everyone moves in, there's not clutter everywhere. These are things that you need to prioritise in the design and that's design thinking. So going back to the original question, what is, you know, like what is design? A lot of people get it wrong. They think it's the marketing side of things when actually the real challenge is the functionality. And that's why I would say that people have a higher churn rate. So bad design, you might visually look great, but then again, you know, again, I say I design product like Apple and Porsche. The philosophy behind the Porsche design or Apple design is good design has to function well. Above all, it must function well. And actually, if you do any kind of in-depth research into great design. I'm not talking about fluffy cushions now and what's trendy. I'm talking about how do Apple manage to make twice as much profit as their nearest rival with 10 times more profit? How do Porsche manage to make 37 grand a car when Ford make nothing? It's because they think about, number one, what's the customer going to need so that when they buy this vehicle or when they buy this product, they're going to stick with it. They're going to come back to us and buy it again. And if you look at their design philosophy, it's above all else, it's got to function right. So there's a great Steve Jobs quote, and it said, you know, a great something, it's not, it, how it looks is not that important. How it works is really important. So I would say that one of the things that I would like, you know, in terms of education, if we're looking to educate people uh, who are listening to this, I would say, if you want to be a good designer, design like Apple, design like Porsche, you've got to think about function. Yeah. And like I asked you the question, you know, have you ever used a mattress that you've put into one of these properties? No. How many landlords, HMO landlords, have actually lived in an HMO? Because you'll probably find that hardly any have. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. I mean, my experience with HMOs was when we were students. That was my experience of HMOs. Then when a friend was looking for a room, I thought actually there might be an opportunity here. I went and started learning a little bit about HMOs, uh, uh, I must credit Jim Halliburton because I went to see his, scared the life out of me. <laughs> that's why I'm not going to be disrespectful, but that's why I'm sitting here today. Yes. It's because when I was at a pin meeting, I won a prize to go and see some properties. Right. And I'm not going to mention that name. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I'm sure he has a niche, but I was horrified. Right. And I thought, this is, I've, I, I've got to get up and talk about this because people are, if people are idolizing this stuff, and thinking this is the way to do it, you're very wrong yeah. because you need bouncers in that situation. Do you know what I mean? It's not but an easy every, product In to every manage. market, there's there's a clientele. So I, I talk about it in relation to, say, like hotels. You know, if you need a room for the night, you've got a premier in that'll charge you 40 quid and, you know, you've got someone else that will charge you 300 quid. They both can provide you a room, they can provide you a bed and uh, a bathroom. But there'll be certain people in the market that will be happy to pay that figure at the entry level and there'll be certain people that will pay that top end price. And my view has been that if we try and create something nicer, nicer, my interpretation of nicer, just looks nice, um, then we'll attract a better type of tenant, they'll pay more. Now, when That's we, where you're wrong. 
Well, when what we because you so just said it looks nice. So my understanding of design has been, or what now, we've been we, doing with our houses, and now we're well, saying when, to early, we probably spend so my as understanding much on of design house. as we do to pay for it in the first place. So you know, I mean, the last one we just completed, I think, about one hundred and seventy-eight thousand thereabouts we've spent on renovating that house. And we'll strip it all back to brick. And what we'll do, we just look at, okay, where, where do we need to lay things out? The bed works best here. You know, we need to move that door slightly to make this room fit. You know, the ensuite needs to be this size. So we, we look at what's practical. We look at what we think will look nice and where the light switches and functionality, you know, USB sockets and these things will work. And that's our inexperienced um, uh, approach to design. And implementing that design, if that makes sense. So what we see as design, that's what we. I doing. think, but but what? But there's two different well, things. We do put some very expensive mattresses in our. <laughs> yeah, but we're now talking about a different product now yeah. because you've learned because over the years. You've this, this, this is ten, twelve years. Now imagine what I did when I did my first HMO. I designed it with the sockets in the right place. I designed it with the right mattress. So from the very day one, when I put my money into property. Before I put my money into that property, I thought, okay, I'm getting into a market with a ton of competition. The other question I asked myself, and this is a design function, is how long do I want the design to last? Okay. And one of the principles that Apple follow and Porsche is the design has to last. So how long has the Porsche 911 lasted? You know, how long has the mound chest of drawers lasted? How long has the iPhone user interface lasted? You know, so if you think about that as a priority, I've been, you have to think forward 10, 20 years. So I put fitted furniture in, I put in really good mattresses, I use durable paints 10 years ago. Now my 10 year old property is, and we were talking about profitability, which doesn't have on suites. I didn't spend all that money on, on suites. I spent the money on what I felt was the important thing, which was the function. So the function of an HMO at the end of the day is to be a home somebody and we were kind of talking about our strategies and, we, and you were saying i i'm convinced your strategy doesn't work yeah and then just, I, just to explain that what what we were talking about was three bedroom hmos and i says let me stop you there three bedroom hmos don't work in my mind they don't work because you've got by the time you've paid the mortgage or the rent if it's a rent to rent you paid your uh, bills you've got really your your first two rooms will probably cover that your third one is probably profit you get a little bit of void maintenance management that's wiped out so really, your profit comes from your fourth room, and the three in um, a three-bedroom HMO doesn't work. Then you were telling me about profit you're making. Told you the profit. So yeah, I said, I'm okay. So and I said, okay. Did you put on suites in your property? So yeah. number one, I don't put in on suites, so I don't have to have that expense. Okay. Then you said to me that commercially they've reached their peak. Yes. And I said, well. In terms of valuation, mine have not. They've got as far to go as the market wants to go. So to, just to explain that, what we mean is, so the, the way we customize and create ours, we create a, a commercial value on those. So that's we've created the highest possible value we can on that property at that point, which we've made a good profit, but there isn't probably much room for that to continue to grow, where yours are more like a regular family house. And as the market rises, you've got a good quality product. That rise so, continues to rise. So my my requirements, my design requirements for my product was, I want it to last thirty years. I want it to be. I want to be able to, if my kids want it, as a, something I can pass to my children. So I've analysed the product and gone, okay, am I going to be able to pass a seven bed HMO to my children? Is it going to be something they're going to handle? No, it isn't. The other thing is, if I own, if I bought a property in twenty fourteen, and I've got it for thirty years then the original mortgage that I have on it will be minuscule and it can be turned into a single let 
and my kids are getting really nice income from it and it's got a lot of equity in it. So from that perspective, it's a, a much more of a legacy product. I haven't had to put in because the primary function of a HMO is a home. Okay, so if you think about it from that way, does a three bed house feel more like a home than a five bed house with all en suites? And customer wants a home. Um, so I'll keep my tenants longer. So I have less churn. I don't have expensive refurbs to do after 10 years because I've got no en suites to replace. My, my maintenance costs are a lot lower. My churn is a lot lower and my profit per room is higher. Uh, my capital growth is higher. Uh, my management is my. I, I I probably only have to manage that property, you know, in a in a year, two weeks of the year is my management. I think where the 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 kind of key distinction is what you're creating is a home where people want to live for the longer term, and uh, I tend to think about HMO tenants tenants as fairly transient, in that it isn't a long term home. It's a stepping stone. So how can we give them everything they need in that space? For them to be happy well that's why it's been designed for transient tenants i've designed it for tenants long term because i believe that young people uh, it's much more expensive to buy a home nowadays and e and today even more relevant is it's very expensive to rent a single let now so for a young person maybe up to about the age of 40 uh really the only option at the moment because the cost of living is living in a room. And I've actually found that a lot more people are coming to me who are older now. So my the age group of my tenants got, so the longer I've had it, the better it's got. But in terms of profitability, uh, I've bought in a lower price location. Um, it's out, so it significantly outperforms HMOs in more expensive locations. Um, and in terms of capital growth, I've worked out the difference in capital growth between my area that I've bought and the, the trendy area in Leeds, only about 15 miles away, where properties double the price. The difference in capital growth between my area and the trendy area has been dramatic. So the, my, my initial cash investment has increased by 300%, whereas if I would invest the money in Chapel Allerton, which is a trendy area, it had gone up by 200%. So I'm making it 100% more capital growth. And in terms of design, I've designed my houses well, which in terms of visual doesn't cost that much. <clears throat> I make my room sell for more money than an ensuite room for my competitor because they've designed it as transient tenants, so it's fairly bland. But and it's got un, you know it might be having uncomfortable, but they've got ensuite. So I'm making four seven five a room, and my competitor with an average ensuite room is putting their pro property on about four thirty. So my non ensuite rooms are higher. Um, my rent. And my return on investment is about, I think, about 150% higher than if I was in a nicer location. So I've spent less. It's much more profitable. It's got better capital growth. So, you know, this is what I'm saying about following the herd. Yes. Is be careful about following the herd because, number one, the best, the, the most successful investors will say, don't do it. Um, and what's value? You know, what is your long-term, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, um, uh, 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 requirement for the property. Everybody who gets into property has a different set of requirements. So if you're looking for legacy, if you're looking for a safe place to put your money, it might be a very different strategy to someone who wants to build a large portfolio business uh, that they might want to, you know, I, I mean, I'm not from, I don't have that, that I, that's not my strategy. So I would say just be very careful about strategy because you've really got to think about your own requirements and your own needs. And you've got to really think forward 
you know, to the end of the strategy. So start with the end in mind, which is what I did was start with the end in mind. But even then, you know, it, design helps you maximize profitability. Because I would have said, if you'd have come to me 10 years ago when you started doing your HMOs, I would have said, don't put in all on suites, you don't need to. Do maybe one bathroom between two, one bathroom between three, because in 10 years time, when the cost of living goes up, the last thing people are gonna want is spend loads of money on an ensuite room when they can get a non-ensuite room in a nicer home. Uh, uh, and they're gonna be there always, long term. There'll always be some demand in different points in the market. Well, you can... I think what we've created will will work well but i i completely understand what you're saying about you probably spend a third of what we spend and still make it very profitable and and, and also i feel now we've we've invested so much money in each and every house that we can't really make them any more better than they are no but what's There's important no is profit to... now you said that yeah. you're making good profit yes. so i'm not going to argue with that uh, and i do plenty of work for people who are doing eight bed hmos six bed hmos and the first thing the last thing i'm going to do is going that's a bad strategy yes. what's important is is you've got to make that strategy work and you've got to think with the end in mind so how long do you want to own it uh at, what's your exit you know what are you going to be doing and the designer's job is to work all these things out get that information and then and then think about okay so how's this thing got to function so that it will perform its uh, its job it will get to the end of that journey and it will still be making profit so let's say somebody's starting out right now and they are looking at either purchasing a modest uh, three bedroom house or maybe even a rent to rent type strategy whether it's um for rent to hmo rent to service accommodation or a single unit that they've acquired for um, either HMO purposes, small HMO or service accommodation. What would you say the things that they need to be thinking about from a design point of view to make it profitable, have tenants that are going to stay long term um, and desirable as well from the tenants? Okay, so what you're okay, so from a design designer's perspective. The first thing you really want to do, and I'm not saying, I'm just saying from, I'm, if I say design, I'm saying from a business perspective, because I'm, a designer is there to make a business work. It's, they're not there to make it pretty. That's where I think the difference between maybe my thinking about design and uh, a, a, an interior designer who's just there to, you know, somebody comes to them and says, I want my house to look pretty. That's different. I'm, I would say I'm more of a commercial designer and thinking about how can this product make profit and how long can it make profit for? So um, if you're asking the question about if you're, if so you said if you're, if you're a new investor, so we're not talking about an experienced investor, they might want to up their game. So if you're a new investor, I would say feasibility study is the, is the important thing. So I would, number one, Google, what is a feasibility study? Why is it important to do a feasibility study? And I think that's the, maybe the big mistake that a lot of people make is that they go to a property meeting, they hear people talking about strategies, but that person that's telling you about their strategy knows nothing about you as a person. They don't know what your end goals are. So I would say, uh, and if you're a business coach or a personal coach, it's what's your why? Yes. That's the first thing you start with. What's your why? And a designer will do exactly the same thing. They'll say, okay, what's this product's why? Who, who's it aimed at? Um, and until you've done any research or even any thinking about it, then you might be buying the wrong product for you. You might be appealing to the wrong customer, or you might be trying to appeal to everybody, which as we've said, 
Ford tried to do that. They tried to please, and a load of investors tried to do that, and they achieve average results. So I would say if you want to achieve great results, then I think you do have to be quite surgical about your thinking in terms of what's the end goal. Yes. You know, and I, I again, I ask this question when I do presentation and say, well, how long do you own, want to own your property for? And people say, well, I want to own it for a lifetime. Well, if you want to own it for a lifetime, what do you need to do to make that product profitable for a lifetime? The last thing you want to do is not design it right because if you don't think about design, it's not going to last. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, but the, your strategy is what's important. How much money have you got? So if it's rent to rent, I'd say they're very different. If, you're buy, if you've got cash, then your strategy is going to be very, very different to if you're doing rent to rent. If you're doing rent to rent, then you're signing a contract. And if you don't make profit, then you're going to be having to pay somebody money under contract. So the only thing I can say is in terms of design, I had a, client years ago who was um like he was one of he was another property uh, uh um he, he did property courses rent to rent and i did some work with him and when i met him he took me out i was at a pin meeting he took me out for a, he said i got to buy you a drink julian and he sat and he said your help you helping me has has, has really really helped and i said well okay let's let's put a number on that how much more profit have you made through applying good design to your pro properties. He said, well, if I take into account that I wasn't actually being able to rent rooms, they were empty, I'd say we're looking about a 400% increase in profit because we've applied some design work. Um, if you make a mistake with re rent to rent, then you've got a real problem. Yes. And I think the important thing with rent to rent is knowing your competition. So I, I like your idea about the feasibility study. You need to go in and understand the market first, what's going on, who your competitors are, what the products are already out there. I think too often people find the property first and then just force a strategy onto it rather than understanding the bigger picture. Uh, it was a big mistake. That the big mistake I made was thinking that a property was a bargain, buying it because it was a four bed, cheap. Uh, I didn't really look, do any study on the location. The I, it was just the numbers. I didn't look at the location um, and I ended up, I didn't lose. The only thing I lost was time, luckily but it was the wrong place. It was the wrong product uh, and, I, and I had to get rid of it. So and, that you know, was a big mistake. We've experienced that in our HMO letting agency where we've had people ring me up where they've said, I've got a fantastic six bedroom house that we've just got ready. Can you let it for us and send us the details and you know, we'll, we'll uh, come and have a look and we'll get it, get it organized. And then when I look at the address, I'm thinking, why on earth have you uh, bought in that location? And this is now, all the renovation work, everything is done, all the pretty photographs have been taken, and you think it's uh, a bit late to undo that now, because they, again, I think about a product and who you're targeting, and the people they have in their mind, the type of tenants they envisage will live in that property, will not want to go and live in that area. So you asked the question right at the beginning, why is design important? Designers will do a feasibility study. So understanding that design is a lot bigger than just getting cushions and actually a pr proper commercial designer will do if the first thing they're going to do is a feasibility study and that could be a make or break for an entire project you know a lot of people that i've seen do training will be under pressure to find a deal because they don't want to look they don't lose face in front of the whole room and they want to stand up at the end and go i found a deal when actually that's not the important thing, you know, getting the education, the wrong, uh, yeah, getting the education. I do think there is a 
place for property education. I was educated through, you know, you said, I didn't know you were a state agent. I didn't, th you, that was my education. Um, you can, you can, you can fast track that, but if you have no common sense, yes. then you might as well forget the education. You know, common sense says, if you're going to get involved in a business, what are the rules of business? What are the rules of making profit in the competitive market? And it'll say, know your customer, know your competitor, differentiate your product, provide a great service. Those are the key points. And so whatever the strategy is, whatever level you're going to pitch it at, you've got to remember, do I know my customer? And like I said to you, how many HMO landlords have I ever lived in an HMO? They don't know their customer. So they're only going to get average results. If you know your customer, they will stick with you, which is why Apple make so much more profit because their customers keep coming back year after year. Even though they probably design their product to fail after seven years, the customer will come back. It's a great question what you said about would live in it. And that's something that actually I, I do ask people when I talk about HMOs, when people got HMOs, they're not performing well. And I said, would you live in your with your own HMO? And often I get, well, I wouldn't live in it. That to me brings out a reaction because I always view if I wouldn't live in it, why would I expect somebody else to live in it? It's a common, it's a common, this is a, this is my thing. And I, if I'm interrupting, I apologize. I want to carry on. But it, 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 I, I I must, I must sometimes think I'm in a different universe because, and it's less so now, I think, because people are getting a little bit educated to this. I think the standards have risen as well. That's forced people to do better as yeah, well. Yeah, well, again, it's a perceived standard. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's a layer on top. But a, a, a very common comment I get about, you know, design, and they'll only see the, the, the pretty pictures, is, you know, why are you bothering? They're only tenants. Mm. And it's like... I can't even argue with that because it makes no sense from a business perspective. You're, you're, you, can't, you can't be a serious business person if you think that your customer isn't worth bothering with. If you're that dismissive of it. Yeah, and there's a saying. You know, they, they are the ones that pay for your lifestyle. Well, yeah, and, and you know, then that means that you're only doing things for the money. You're not doing it for the passion. You're not doing it for the love. You're doing it for the money. And even Warren Buffett says, do it for, be passionate about what you're doing and don't do it for the money. Be, do it because you're passionate about it. So you're, you're just going against logic. You're going against what the, the, the successful people say you should do, but you're doing what the herd does. And again, what do they say? Don't follow the herd. So it's like, am I living in an alternate universe or are people saying stuff, but not hearing what they're saying? You know, I want to be a success, but I'm going to follow the herd. It's like, do not listen to what you're reading it, but you know, I'm not going to slag off 90% of the investors in the world, but you know, think about what you're saying here. You know, you're going against what the most successful people in the world are telling you to do. What do you think are the, the, the biggest mistakes you still see people making even today when they're getting started in, in property? Like I in said, a, a lack of common sense, a lack of common sense. Um, Investing in property is a long-term game, you know, and again, I will quote Warren Buffett. I'm a designer, but I'm going to quote Warren Buffett. And he says, don't invest in anything unless you're going to be in it for, 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 for more than 10 years. Um, and a lot of people that invest have this kind of very short-term mindset. So it's a lack of common sense. So I would say number one is, is exercise common sense. You're getting into business. You're not just chucking money on a, on a commodity 
you're getting into business. So I would say do your research on how to be successful in business. I would also say in property, and you hear it a lot, is you should be a people person. You've got to be a people person to be in property. And I would agree with that one. You do need to be a people person. Networking, get, get networking is really important. Um, build a network of good people. Try not to follow the herd, which is common sense. Um, but it, I would say just common sense and emotional intelligence. And if there's books on common sense, if there's books on emotional intelligence, then follow the principles of, you know, how to apply common sense when you're going into business. You know, Google, I mean, Google is a great uh, uh, resource. How do I make success of a business if I'm getting involved with no experience? And it will give you a set of instructions on what to do. And, you know, if it says educate yourself, then don't go in and say, oh, I'm not going to bother educating myself. This is easy. Because the first principle of being a success in a business you're not going to get into is education. The other thing is, you know, even Warren Buffett, or again, I'm going to, it's Charles Munger, Warren Buffett, or Steve Jobs, educate You can't yourself. go wrong learn from people like that. Precisely. So, you know, don't assume that you know everything. Don't assume that it's easy. It's very complicated. And if you make a mistake, it's going to be a very expensive and time-consuming mistake. So don't take it lightly and um, do your, and again, due diligence is what is due diligence, you know? And another Warren Buffett, uh, this is Charles Munger quote. He said, you can do all the due diligence you like, but if you don't apply common sense, you might as well go to hell. So I'd say common sense is the big thing, you know? And if you're not confident, then do your research, you know? do your feasibility study, take your time. And if your gut feeling says this ain't right, then go with your gut feeling. But get, investing in property is not a, something that should be taken lightly. Yeah. Mistakes, and I would say, and I don't know about you, but I would say probably 80% of people that get into property, just like in business, 80% of the people that get into go into business fail. I'd say 80% of people that go into property, even though they say it's this amazing passive income thing, 80% of people that go into property don't really achieve great results. Yeah, but I'd say probably even higher. So if we're saying you and I agree is more than 80% of people that get involved in property don't really achieve great results, then don't act like the 80%. Yeah, and they could do better had they taken a different approach. But often, I think sometimes it's property can be seen as a, a get-rich-quick but there is no get rich quicker. As you said, we're talking about 10-year plans. People don't want to talk about 10-year plans. They want to talk about, where's my money in 10 months? Th th that's not a common sense. This is why I'm saying you have to apply common sense because if you're the kind of person that thinks there is such a thing as a get rich quick scheme, then you don't have a lot of common sense and you're going to fail. Um, property does take time. And, and if you think you're going to get rich quick, those are the kind of people that invest in Dubai and then lose everything. So if, 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 if Warren Buffett said, if you're going to invest in anything, commodities or property, stocks and shares, if you ain't going to get in it for more than 10 years, you might as well forget about it. And that's the approach. So talking of long term, you're definitely being one of the, the major advocates in this market space about we should think about design, functionality, how we're creating these products for our customers effectively. Um, how do you think things are going to change in the next few years? Where do you think we'll be in, say, 10 years from now with regards to uh, the conversation we're having now around designing property? 
I don't think it's going to change that much. No. I was hoping you were going to say fact, something positive. <laughs> I, I'm, no, because actually, if you ask me, do you think everyone should design their product better? I'll say no, because then I won't. Then, yeah, then, if, then, if then it's going to be. Then it's going to really, no, work. <laughs> that's it. So, so, yeah. you know, if you want to be in the top three percent, then you're only going to always only going to have to compete with the top with the three percent of people not the 97 percent and i think that's always going to be the case on which is great for people that want to be good so i would say the big change is going to be i think hmos are probably going to become well there's certainly going to be a lot more demand for hmos so i would say if i'm going forward 10 years i think anyone that's invested in hmos and sticks it out uh and once we've ridden this uh um um inflation and um uh uh cost of living crisis and we and and you know again warren buffett's been there anyone that's been in business for uh their lifetime will know that there are peaks it's and a troughs. cycle yeah it's the so, next few years is going to be tough so it but it's the people that the last that get once we start coming out of this there will be a boom unfortunately it's boom and bust so i think if you can hang on to what you've got you're going to do really well. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is I think that anyone that's investing in serviced accommodation is going to be entering into a much more competitive market. And as with HMOs, there's going to be a lot more regulation coming into the market because it, it, that's just what happens. So I think that if you're, I think that again, with serviced accommodation, there's going to be a lot of losers because it's going to become more difficult. It's going to become more costly because of the regulations that have come in. So I think that um, long term, I don't think there's going to be much of a change. I think that, you know, there's going to be more of a shortage of houses, if anything. I think there's going to be another boom at some point, but it's going to be a, a smaller and smaller pool of people. It's very difficult to predict um, what's going to happen longer term, but I think that the difference between, I think there's, I also think, it's debatable it's debatable but is there going to be a revolution in the way business works because i think that the difference between the rich and the poor has got a lot wider the difference between people's wages and the cost of property has got wider so can it how far can that piece of elastic stretch we're having a lot of um um discontent at the moment with people striking because of the way they're being treated yeah. and because um businesses now don't reinvest they pay their dividends. So hopefully there's going to be a revolution. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a left winger, but I would say I, I'm a, I have left wing tendencies, even though I'll probably can vote uh, um, Lib, Lib Dem because I would never vote either of the two. But there could be a revolution if if things get too far and the elastic band stretches. But again, it's happening in other parts. Ag of the world. Again, yeah. again. Warren Buffett, let's quote Warren Buffett, invest when there's blood on the streets. Yeah, there's more, is it saying there's more millionaires are made during a yeah. recessionary times than at any other time? Yeah, so I think there's going to be, I think if you can, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't predict, but I would say that I think there's going to be huge demand for shared accommodation, which means there'll be a, a drop in standards. Because if, 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 if people would just rent anything, then people won't make any effort. There's no, there's tends to be no um, um, uh, 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 creativity in that yeah. kind of market. And I think based in Birmingham, we have a huge problem with HMOs in the, uh, the mostly the um, 
the supportive live-in uh, sector, the, the unlicensed uh, HMOs, the, ones that, the exempt accommodation, so is the word I was looking for. The exempt accommodation HMOs, there's a massive problem with those. Uh, uh, Birmingham's been rife with problems and they're trying to sort it out uh, at the moment. But if you see some of that accommodation, it's exceptionally poor quality and it's provided to people that desperately need uh, need a home. So I understand what you're saying when the, the way the market is now in terms of um, you know the regulation that's there, which is, is quite limited, um, that there will be poor quality accommodation because there'll just be this massive demand for people to want to stay somewhere and they'll accept poor quality. Well, that's it. Where there's high demand, there's 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 very little creativity, and the, and and this is why co living became popular yes. is because everyone was getting into HMOs and when that happens demand drops and then people have to start getting creative and differentiating themselves but now it's going the other way where there's now a huge demand and so you'll probably get a lot of people taking advantage of the situation that I'd still rather be portion that situation than than and I'm not going to slag off Skoda because they're really good now but you know it, I'd rather be Porsche whatever happens because Did I they originally I, all have the same well, kind no, a, but if you look at, heritage. okay, I quoted the design value index, okay, and this was just a bit of research that I did. There's this, there's this study was done years ago in the G20 by, uh, 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 I can't remember the management company, it's called the DVI, Design Value Index. And the conclusion was, it was a 10-year study carried out in all the G20 countries looking at the difference in performance between design-led companies and non-design-led companies. So let's say the vanilla and the design-led companies. And in all these countries, over these 10-year periods, the difference in profit between the two. So if you'd invested $10 in with either the design-led company or the vanilla company, your $10 would have increased by 200% in those 10 years if you would have invested in design, it wouldn't have increased at all because of the ups and the downs if you'd have invested in vanilla. So you're not going to perform very well if you invest in vanilla product. You're just going to have aggravation. Um, and so I would say that, fine, there's, if you want to take advantage of the situation and become a slum landlord where all you do is you love your money, that's the root of all evil. And I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in creating a great product. I do it because it's more profitable and I do it because I want to be able to sleep at night and I care about, I have passion for what I do. And if you, again, you know, all the great success stories will say, be passionate about what you do, look after people, have a purpose, you know, and we have this opportunity in our business to do that. A lot of people say, I want to get into property because I want to help people. So I'm going to do a shit product, but in the end, I'm going to do stuff for charity. Well, you know, that, that you're missing the point. You know, you are actually doing something that is of vital importance is a basic human requirement is to have a home. So you have a kind of this, you have this opportunity to, to do something that is going to be really appreciated by people. And all those people that are saying, oh, don't worry about it because they're only tenants. Remember, they're the slum landlords that are doing it for the love of money. It's the root of evil. So, you know, uh, that's, uh, my, that's why I'm here to just deliver this message to say, you know, you can make good profit and do a great job and have passion for what you do and have very happy customers. And it is the way to do it. And, I, and it's not come from words that are coming from my mouth. It's words that's coming from, you know, Warren Buffett, Munger, Jobs, Porsche, Dyson. All of these people will say exactly the same thing. And I'm just, and I kind of, and, and unfortunately, some of the greatest designers in the world are now dead. 
know, the company that Apple, the guy that Apple have been inspired by, the guy that Porsche has been, you know, all these people are, are gone. And so I'm kind of holding the torch for people that are no longer here that will, will tell you the opposite of what everyone is saying. And I'm just think that that needs that should in this industry where so many people say, oh, you know, get rid of the on, get rid of the living room. Don't worry about the tenants. Well, you'll make so much more. I'm trying to deliver a better message because I do think it's the way to do it. So if uh, you were to start out now fresh, knowing what you know now, and you were about to start your business in property within a time where we're entering a recessionary period, what would you do? What would be the your kind of go-to strategy? Right now, and I hate to say this, right now, I think you're pretty nuts buying property. I wouldn't invest right now. Uh, I I do think service to company. Okay, no, I, no, okay, maybe I, I kind of oh, no. And the reason being is because I think that we have a potential serious energy crisis coming up. Yeah. Okay, so um, a, a wise investor will wait. There's a time to buy and a time to sell. So I'm all I'm saying to you is is I don't think it's always a good time to buy. I think patience and 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 again due diligence, looking at what's happening. Um, I would probably be waiting to see <clears throat> what happens after this energy cap goes, because if there's a real crisis, and by the way, if there is, I'm not going to moan because we were talking about Ukraine, and every time I the sh I'm feeling like shit, I'm going to go. I really don't want to be sitting in a trench somewhere. So I just think that this energy crisis needs to needs to there needs to be, uh, you know, it could go two ways. If it goes really badly, then that will give you an opportunity to maximize your cash that's in the bank. So if people stop buying property because the cost of energy is going through the roof and it just doesn't, people can't afford to buy houses, the prices will drop. And by the way, loads of people have got equity in property. So there's plenty of flexibility in the market for people to go, I need to sell, I'm going to drop my price because I need to sell. So <clears throat> I would say that if you do have cash, I'm aware that you're losing 10% every year. So if you need to put it somewhere, I would be looking at a good but cheap location because you're gonna make the most out of the money. And I would say, don't expect to make fortunes because it's not a, it's not that kind of a, property is not that kind of strategy. So I would say, if you've got cash burning a hole in your pocket, it's safest in property. So I would agree with you there. Um, but understand what is value. Yes. Um, try to maximize the profit if you if you're thinking about a strategy such a big question isn't it you know serviced accommodation yeah it's a great strategy but think 10 years down the Which line it could be very different it's going to be very different so be aware of that and build it think about again feasibility is really important and for there's a saying if you're in business you've got to be able to see around corners yes so you've got to be able to see around the corner and if you can't then you're going to have to do a bit more research and think long, think long term. But I think value and profit are the two main things. Yeah, that, yeah, value and profit. For me, that would be key. So I, we're still actively looking, we're still actively buying, but it is based on what value we're getting, what profit we're going to create. And if we can still do that, it doesn't matter whether the market's going up, down, sidewards. Those are the, the, the key things. The curveball here is energy and environment. We've, the human race has never had to uh, uh, face these these uh, uh, these challenges. Uh, if we have an environmental issue, God knows what's going to happen. But again, they're all opportunities 
if you've got money in the bank. Um, so I would say it's a much better time uh, to invest now than it was five years ago because it, prices aren't going crazy. There's not a busload of tourists coming in and there's no pressure. So you do have time now. You're not under pressure. So you've got the time to really think it through properly. You can make offers and let them sit there and go, you know, okay, if you're not willing to take that offer, let it sit there. And, 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 and then you'll probably get phone calls. So if, if you, uh, let's say next week, uh, uh, inherit 10 million pounds uh, from a long lost relative, what would be the, uh, what would be the I plan? would continue doing what I'm doing. I would, I would buy more of the same. That's good to hear. Um, I, uh, because I know that although I probably won't be making as much profit as the ones that I bought 10 years ago, that's how it works, isn't it? You know, 10 years ago, I wasn't making any profit. Now I'm making really good profit. That's why you've got to think long term. So I know that the ones that I buy now, I'm going to have to wait another 10 years before they're going to be. And the ones that I bought 20 years ago are going to be doing really well. And I've got loads. So but I would do more of the same, you know, because I do think that less is more. Simplicity is always much better than complexity. Yeah. Um, it's not my day job uh, and property. I never wanted investment investing in property to be my day job. It's not where I get my passion. Um, there are people I know that get a buzz from doing deals. Yes, I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a different animal. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm a design guy. You're an investor guy. We're two very different animals. But I think merging the two is good. But for me personally, as a, as a designer, simplicity um, is really important. Uh, uh, so uh, more of the same. Yes. So people will come to you to learn about design, whether they're creating service accommodation property, they're creating HMOs, or even single let property that might be flipping on, uh, for example. What is it and how do you help them? What do they get from, from coming to you if they're coming to learn? from In you a short answer, I get people to think like me. So that's it. I get people to think like me. I get people to think about things in a very different way. I get people to think about things. I get people to, when they leave me, they're more creative. Yeah. Creative thinking, I think, is really important in business. So I'm, I think I'm, I'm much more than just teach. I, 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 cushions and color, I can teach someone in an hour. Yes. So this is why I do my one-day course, is because essentially I can teach people to visually create an amazing product in a very short space of time. Half of what I do is project management training um, because again, design in this business is half project management, half visual. Um, and I think if you're going to be going into a refurb project, if you don't know about the refurb process, you're gonna get fleeced. So you're not gonna get, you're far less likely to get fleeced if you, if you do a day's training with me, um, you'll have a more creative approach, not only to your product, but your everything, every, when you go and buy something now, after you've done training with me, when you go and buy something, you're, the way you think about what you're buying will be different because you're gonna be thinking, okay, is that design gonna work for me? Is it, is it a good design? Because you'll realize that when you look at something, you can go, wow, but then you'll realize, oh yeah, but that ain't the design. That's the visual part, that's the marketing part. Yes. Is it a good product? You'll have a much, you'll have a different way of looking at, what you buy and what you and, and what you're creating that you're selling so it'll give you a little bit more of a it's like having a third you know we've got six six senses it's like having a seventh sense and it's like riding a bike so it's not once you get it you don't lose it
Yes, yes. So, you know, and it can transform. It can transform what you're doing and, and it will make you much more, it will make your due diligence more accurate. And, and so that's what I would say. I don't just, and, and this is why I find it so difficult to explain what I do because people think, so what colors the feature wall shall I paint then? And I, I, I'm not, I'm insulted by it. Earlier when we were having coffee that uh, the question you get asked more, so what's the color for this year? Yeah, yeah, what's the color for this year? What, you know, how many cushions should I put on a bed and where should I put the feature wall? And, and, and you know, it's like, that's not even, even remotely what I'm doing and what I'm talking about. Um, so I would say that, it, it's it, it's basically it will make your due diligence better it will make make you create a much better product and when i say better i'm not talking about visual appeal because like i say i can teach people how to do the wow factor in 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 an hour but it will make it much much more durable much more durable because it's been built to last and it will be market focused so that's the advantage of what i do um you know it will make make your business better so with regards to reaching out to you, what's the best way for people to contact you if they want to learn more about? Uh, well, as we're doing a podcast, I would say the best way to do it, I've got a website, which is www.iconliving.co.uk, which I-C-O-N-L-I-V-I-C-O-N living. But if anyone wants any training, I would say that I, 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 as I know you and I know you've got an audience, I'd say that I would give, if you would email me, at julian at iconliving.co.uk say i heard a pot you in a podcast with Saj hussein then i'd give a hundred pound discount off the training so it'd probably be best to have a look at the website look yes. at the training day and go if you're interested email me yeah. or send me an email through the website and say i listened to you on sarge uh can you give me the discount before i go and and book perfect excellent and we talked about the uh you know the design aspect and you also touched on uh, the refurb and the project managing. So how does all of it fit together? Okay, like I said, like I said, um, the role of a designer in this business means you have to project manage the process. Um, so if you were to do a big project, you'd have a QS, you'd have a project manager, you'd have a CDM coordinator, you'd have a utilities uh, consultant. I mean, these guys charge an absolute fortune tell me about it yeah. and there's no design involved <laughs> so you'll have a vanilla product at the end of it so the designer comes in and does all of that on a small project plus they design it as well they look at the visual side if you're no good at refurbs you're going to fail it's the big mistake that a lot of people make when they go into properties they don't know how much a refurb as an this is what my a state agency experience taught me is that estate agents don't value properties properly. People think they're getting a below market value deal. They've never done a refurb before. Uh, and they look at the property price and go, okay, that house is 10 grand, 20 grand less than the one next door. Therefore, it is a below market value deal. But if you know anything about a refurb, you'll walk in and quickly after a very quick visual assessment, you'll go, yeah, but that needs 40 grand spending on it. And that only needs five grand spending on it. So actually that is above market value and that's at market value. So if you know nothing about refurbs, number one, you're gonna get your estimation of the refurb cost way out because you're going to be going i know that a refurb i know what a refurb costs i've done a bit of work on my own house i reckon the central heating system is going to cost about two grand but that's because you fitted a boiler 20 years ago you know it's not that cheap yes 
So in terms of the refurb side, and this is another part, I mean, 50% of my day's training is refurb and 50% is visual appeal. So the refurb side is essential to getting profit because you could lose profit right at the beginning. And also not only is it losing profit because you've cost you more, but if you've done a cheap, bad job, then the product just won't last. Yeah. If it doesn't last, imagine if you do a eight bed all on suite HMO and the builder's done it, you have no idea of quality, you have no idea of materials. And after five years, you're wondering, why is there mold everywhere? Why is paint peeling off everywhere? Why is all the radiators loose? I've seen those, yeah. yeah. You've seen them, and it's normally people that have gone into it fresh yeah, yeah. and have no idea what and they're all doing. Tell me, it's been fully renovated, as it might have been, but badly. Yeah, five years it's lasted, and you've got a house that commercially, because you've had a commercial valuation. What happens to commercial valuation if you can't sell the product? You've lost yeah, all the your value. Your rents are going to drop because you're not going to be able to maintain them. So, therefore, an understanding of the refer process is absolutely vital if you want to make a success of your product. So, um, I would say that, again, common sense, you know, you're, you're not going to know everything, but one of the things you do need to know is what, are, what is the process to evaluate a refurb? And what should you do? Um, the other thing I would say is management of people. I said that, you know, you've got to be a people person. If you don't know how to be an effective project manager, if you don't know how to be an effective boss, you're not going to get the best productivity out of your employees. And a contractor is an employee. And in up and because that you're only you're only their temporary employees, you're taking them on a temporary yeah. basis. They don't give a crap, do they? So if you're not able to motivate, encourage, inspire, uh, have a good relationship with that person, you're not you're not going to get the best out of them. And the not getting the best out of them means they're going to rip you off. They're going to take longer. They're not going to turn up. They're probably going to be doing another job at the same time. And every opportunity they get to make money out of you, they will. All um, because... When you said when they're getting ripped off, and sometimes it's unintentional by them just not doing a great job. So you're still But they're, but they're not back. doing a great job because you're not doing a great job. And again, it comes down to function. You know, what is the function of a project manager? You know, it's not just to go in there and tell people off. Actually, the, uh, the, the, the function of a project manager is to inspire their staff, to provide them the right resources, to encourage them. Uh, that's the job of the, and I was telling you again, what, you know, I'm, I did the wealth dynamic uh, right, thing, yeah, yeah. okay? And disappointingly, or not, dis not unsurprisingly, it said, you know, it lists, these are the things you should do. These are the things you shouldn't do. And it said, first of all, don't be a project manager. Right. I, I don't have those skills, but I do have people skills. Yes. So I managed to get away with it for 15 so years. Or... Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm a star creator. Star creator but yes. but I'm, 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 I think I'm, I just appreciated the fact that my trade team were more important than my investor clients you value value the I, I valued the people so i would make sure that i took coffees round teas i would consult with them and i never had a problem so i would say that you know again this is why it's i can teach people in a day half a day the fundamental principles of what they need to be doing and then applying a bit of common sense on top of that means that they can actually get away with completing a very complex job with minimal experience because they've got the fundamentals right. You know, like, like again, Munger said, without common sense, all the due diligence in the world, you're still going to be in hell. So 
this is what I'm saying is that if you understand the fundamentals and apply common sense, you will it will can fill loads of gaps. You know, you might not know what an angle bead is. It doesn't matter because you have treated that person with respect and they're now treating you with respect because you understand how to behave. So that's what I'm 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 doing uh, in 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 short but the refurb side if like I say and as you confirmed if you if you go into this thinking you know what you're doing when it comes to refurb your project will take longer that means you're going to lose money it will cost you more that means you're going to lose money potentially it could ruin the whole deal because you know if you've got if you're doing rent to rent for example this is where understanding what a refurb costs is so important if you're doing rent to rent I had a I had a it was a client i would say that uh, this is what amazes me is that i have worked with some of the people some of the top people and have seen them make the most horrific mistakes mm. because they it, it's all about yeah. going big and they yes. they lose they lose the plot but one person comes to mind where they had spent 6 months negotiating a rent to rent deal and i was this was at my early days of going into Gosh. pin meetings and i said look i i was offering a free property inspection just to get my name out there yeah. and he said jules and it happened uh, a couple of people actually but this guy came into mind because he was quite a, i would have i was quite oh this guy knows what he's doing mm -hmm. uh and uh he said i've been negotiating this deal i just want you to come and have a look at the house and i parked up and i said don't go for it he said what do you mean i said the roof's yeah pardon my english yeah. the roof's screwed uh and he said but that's going to ruin the deal I said, well, the roof is screwed. I can, and I went in, there was damp patches on the loft. And I said, that's going to get a lot worse. It needs a new roof. And I said, but if you want to get a roofer out to do an inspection, here's my roofer's number. Give him a call. He'll go out and do an inspection. Roofer goes out and said, this roof's absolutely knackered. Uh, deal scuppered. If he would have just known, if he'd have taken a, a, you know, a half a day with me going through how to assess a property, and that's the first thing I say is, this is how to assess a house. Look at the look at the roof first. Go your way down. If you'd have just done that bit of due diligence and applied that, re, you know, understanding our refurb works, thinking he would have saved himself six months. Yes. You know, because he went to the the owner of the property and said, "Listen, that needs a new roof. Are you willing to as part of the deal? You know, uh, 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 not if it if it goes wrong, thing." And he went, "No, I'm not willing to do that." Yeah. So you know, that is the thing mm. is that if you're doing rent and I another rent to rent, you know, I had another lady where she it was this basement and it was another rent to rent situation and mm -hmm. the basement was part of the probably part of the habitable yeah. space. Uh and again I walked in, I went, This basement's screwed. I said it's damp as hell. I said it's not even been done properly. Yes. And she goes, But that's gonna that's gonna ruin the deal. I said, Well, because they're looking just at the numbers, they need that room to make yeah, the deal yeah, yeah. work. And, and I said, well, it ain't going to be a deal if the basement's damp. Yeah, if you've I got said, to spend thousands and thousands to make Well, there's been a death of a child because of damp. You know, and uh, again, you know, this is another big problem with, with slum landlords. Yeah. Uh, and just like the one you mentioned about the roof, you'd, you'd expect the landlord, the, uh, uh, the owner to take responsibility and say, hey, I'll sort the roof out. It's my asset. It's my investment. Often they don't think like that. It's not they don't think like that. It's they don't have the money. Hmm. This is why uh, I always have reserve funds and why I don't overgear. Yeah. You know, rinse and repeat. You're, and they say, at some point, you're going to run out of money. Mm. Well, you shouldn't ever get to a point where you run out of money. And if you do, 
then you've done something wrong. Yeah. Then I'd be thinking, why am I listening to you? If you're saying to me one day you're going to run out of money, it means one day you've run out of money. Yeah. That's not a clever person. Yeah. So I Same would... the analogy that you should constantly be thinking about raising money, more investment. So there needs to be access to money. There needs to be. Well, again, you were talking about if you had money, what would you do? Um, that's different to saying if you want to go and build a portfolio with no money and you need access to money, what would you do? I, I That's not my chosen strategy that's not the route I, I i'd rather be designing stuff and doing training days and enjoying passing on that knowledge but from my own perspective from if it's somebody like me who's looking to invest in property because they've got some hard-earned money that they've got that they want to do something with they don't want to, it to lose money with inflation or they've got an inheritance or they've been you know anything like that where they just want to invest in a fairly traditional way then i would say do not run out of money uh, and always make sure wipe you out of this business if you're well if it, you'll only have a then you will have a unhappy tenants and you know there's a lot again there's lots of situations where landlords go look at the mess of this the tenants left in this room and then you go well actually that room looks like a in a, sort of really bad state in a property that's in a really bad state yeah. i had a tenant say to me once he said jules i i lived in a really bad house and the landlord was having to go because it was in a you know i didn't do this and he said but my mind in my mind i'm thinking well if the landlord's not willing to look after yeah. the property why should i and that's so important that that mindset you see it a lot uh, especially in the hmos as well if the landlord is not taking care of the property and not on top of it all the time then the tenant starts to think well if the landlord doesn't care why should i yeah and this is why I don't think, I think even the language that is used in property is wrong because people say invest, I'm investing in property. That kind of suggests that it's like I'm investing in gold or investing in crypto. You're not investing in property. You're putting money into a business. Every property is a business. You have living and breathing customers. If you think of it as investing, then you will be of that mindset oh the roof has got a bit of a leak oh I'll, I'll leave it and it's i haven't got the money you won't invest implies more passive that you just put money in and it's just going to give you some money back yeah that's not going to work these these are businesses they're hands-on yeah it shouldn't be even the language that's used the word landlord what's that mean you know that's a term that comes from you know the the 1700s when yeah. people were buying plots of land and had people tenants on a farm yes. and it was like you were living in the dark ages. Yeah. We're not living in that period anymore. I, I even think the language needs to. The language is wrong. You know, you're 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 an entrepreneur. Yes. You're a businessman. Y you have a customer. You're creating yeah. a consumer product. Yeah. The product just happens to be bricks and mortar. Yeah. It's a it's a product, and 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 that's why I I've gone into it with a business mindset, not an investor mindset. And uh, going into this with a business mindset, I've gone, okay, if I want to maximize my money and create a great business, what do great businesses do? How do they create great profit? And then they've gone, well, actually, well-designed product seems to make more profit. So therefore, I've got to up my game on my design. And then I've gone, well, what is good design? And then I've had to research that. And then I've gone, okay, if I want to make, and now I've got a lot of competition, what do businesses that make a profit in a competitive market do? They differentiate, they block, they, they know their customers, they know their, their competition. If you're an investor, it, it, it's not the same mindset. So I would say that, you know, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I would say that even the language is wrong, mm. you know, 
forget the language, forget what the herd is saying. You are going into business. If you're doing a refurb, it's a very complex job. You've got to be good with people. You could lose an absolute fortune if you don't understand what you're doing. And if it's rent to rent, like I'm saying, it's even more crucial. If you're trying to raise money, well, frame. this is the other thing, okay? This is what I'm, uh, the point, uh, again, about raising finance, okay? If you are raising finance from a private individual, you're paying way more for that borrowing than if you were to go to the bank. So, you know, you, the deal has to work even better and there's an even tighter profit margin. So if you get your sums wrong, you, it's not going to work. And you've got people that have never done this before going into a training course, learning about the strategy and not understanding that they've got a refurb to do. They're going to be dealing with contractors. It's a surface level going to be Yeah, it is all surface level, and it, but it is down to you. It's not the, it's not the educator's, uh, um, um, it's not the educator's job to do your homework. So if you go to university... But it's the educator's job to point out what homework needs to be yeah, done. Yeah, they should give you homework. I mean, I do see a lot of people going to these uh, events, for, they fall asleep, you know, and they have their dinner and they're having chats and they're when there's uh, uh, talking about this is a really important thing, key thing here, they're texting their mates going, yeah, this is a really important thing and it's an exercise in doing social media posts. It's insane. They spent 20 grand. You know, it's a serious game. Uh, they're investing a lot of money. They're going to have to do a lot of homework. You know, they're going to have to be, you know, they, they've got to be passionate about it because if they're not, you ain't going to do the homework. So, you know, there's so, it, this is why 80% of people that invest in property either fail or don't do well because they think it's passive. They think it's get rich. They think it's investing. It's not. It's a business. It costs a fortune. You need to do your homework. You need to do your due diligence. You need to have common sense. You need to be good with people. And uh, yeah, it's a phrase I learned a long saying. time ago in a, a property that it's simple but not easy. It's a process. The models are relatively simple, um, but it requires effort, common sense to be able to get the results. I always, I always like the story of the bamboo tree. Have you heard the story of the bamboo tree? No, but... Okay. I'd recommend that everybody who's watching this or listening to it, go onto YouTube and enter and search for the bam story of the bamboo tree. Okay. Because that explains everything. It's a very simple story and I like simplicity. It's basically the story of some farmer guy who wants to grow bamboos because it's a very profitable product. But bamboos take about five years to grow. You have to plant the seeds and you have to water them and nurture it and then but when they start growing they grow about six foot a day okay okay wow. so this guy is is in this farm and he decides i'm going to grow bamboos and everybody else likes get rich so they grow corn and it yes. grows and but and he's great and they see him every every day watering his ground and nothing happening yeah so again what are you doing and he's going, I'm growing bamboo. And he's going, and they're going, oh, that ain't going to work. How can it work? You're still watering there. That ain't going to happen. Yeah. So the guy, after a while, he gets a bit disillusioned, but he carries on because he knows, he thinks, okay, when these bamboos are going to go, but, you know, it, it gets tough. Everyone's going, it ain't working. Yes. But then after five years, when he, he's given, he's just, you know, he's kind of just doing it because he's been doing it this long. You might as well carry on now. One day he sees a shoot coming up. Yeah. The next day he wakes up, there's these six foot, plants growing and then a day later they're 12 foot wow. and you know and within you know this is the same thing with property yeah. you've got to put a lot of effort in at the front end but when you actually when it all starts all coming together it goes 
bang. Yeah. I mean, literally the last two years, I've seen tremendous capital growth. I've been able to, because I understand the nuances of the market, even though the cost of living has gone up, I've been able to keep pace with it all. Uh, profitability has improved, ROI has improved. The fact that we've got 10% inflation is really good for me yeah. because the value of my mortgages yeah. drops by yes. 10% every year. So I'm in a really good position if I can hold on, if things work out, which in general they do, yes. the moment people start seeing, oh, the energy price is getting under control, crypto's going up again, uh, you know, property prices, all it takes is the news to go, property prices have gone up by 3% yeah. this month. People start, confidence starts coming back and suddenly it goes bang, yes. okay? And and I know that I'll be in, I'll be in the money. But yeah, and it it'll takes be, time. It'll be short cycles. These cycles aren't massive. Like you start seeing this change in a few years. Well, like I say, environment's the big thing. Mm. Uh, uh, energy is a big thing. So these are challenges we've not been through. But, you know, the human race is very resourceful. I mean, even, you know, if we take things, if we look at Ukraine mm. and how resourceful they've been at beating the, yes. the bear, um, you know, launching 80s rockets and bombing, yeah. uh, putting a sat-nav in it and, uh, you know, and, it, and they're able to hit a Russian airfield and the Russians have got the most, and they can't even do, yes. you know. Human race, when they when they're hit with challenge, we are very creative. Yeah. Uh, there's a saying, you know, uh, uh, create, um, adversity is the mother of, all, of yes. all invention. And I think once you've been here long enough, when you get challenges, you go, come on, you, you know, this is going to make me a better person. Yeah. Ultimately, this is going to make, and once you realize that, you know, uh, you know, even if it gets bad, you know, everything is going to be all right. But, you know, in, again, going off on a tangent, um, uh, I think, you know, Property is tough. Mm. You, if you, if you think that's the worst thing you can do is think is get rich quick. Yes. Everyone that I've known get rich quick uh, as as as, as failed. failed. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've got to be resilient. You've got to remember that you're going to get a, several smacks in the face. And if you're not willing to get smacked in the face and do the work and do the homework and do the effort and go through the the stress and and rather than go, oh, I know what I'm doing. Yeah then you know then you're prepared but the rewards are huge and that's that's what it's well about. you know i don't i mean i'm you know i, I i'm doing what i love because yeah. i've got property yes. because i can I, i'm not desperate so i know that i don't have to go and work at mcdonald's yeah. if i've got no because i've got cash flow coming yes. in but like i say it took seven years for me to do that. To get to that point. But I did it because I knew that I was building something. I knew that it was going to work because I tr like the bamboo tree story, I was planting the seed, mm -hmm. I was putting I was watering the plant. Everyone's going, "What are you doing? Yeah. It's not it don't work. It's a, not a six bed. It's not getting me instant cash flow." And I'm going, "No, nah, this is going to take me some time, but I'm going to get it right and I'm yeah. going to keep going." And there have been times I've wondered to myself, "Really? You know, is it worth doing?" You know, but like I say, it, when it happens, it happens real quick. Yeah. No matter you put, and I would say this isn't just with property. You know, it's with everything in life. Nothing good happens with zero work. Yeah. The only thing is everything that is worthwhile, anything that's going to give you happiness, success, prosperity, you know, great relationships requires work this is why there's so many divorces at the moment it's because people think it's easy and they think that once it starts getting a bit tough we'll have an affair you know it's not it's tough it's hard and we live in a throwaway society i think people have got a lot more get rich get rich quick thing um 
and I do think it's a bit of a problem with society that we've got. And 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 when you go through a tough time, things rebalance themselves uh, again. So you know, I think this has been a, a very interesting conversation. It could go on for several hours more. Um, so the podcast itself is called the Big Property Podcast, and a tagline that we like to use is "Stay humble, stay hungry, and dream big." What does dream big mean for you? At the end of his life, the person that built the most pro biggest company in the whole world, that's now worth $2 trillion, Steve Jobs, said, the best things in life are free. So the big goal for me is to be in a position where I can enjoy the things that really make you happy, which don't cost anything. But that takes a bit of work and it takes time. And so that's my ultimate goal is to be able to wake up every day and to go, I'm really happy this today. Uh, I, whatever I'm doing, I don't have to be rich to do that. Uh, but I do want to be in a position where I enjoy my work um, and whatever that involves. I do believe that you have to be, I have to be passionate. I would desperately just want to stay passionate about what I do. Um, I do want to, I can't sell something if I don't believe in it. So if I'm doing something that I believe in, that will make me happy. So that's another goal is to continue doing what makes me happy as long as it makes other people happy and it and I'm bringing something to the table. Um, I want to have a great relationship, which is, um, um, uh, you don't always have passion, but certainly, um, you know, where it's loving, have a loving relationship. I want to have great relationship with my sons who are now going to university who don't give a crap about their dad. But I would, I, I want just to have a good relationship with my kids. I want to have good relationships. I want to be passionate about what I do. I want to provide a good service. I want to um, give value to the people that I'm working for. And that's my goal. And, and life is a journey. So to enjoy that on a consistent basis should be the goal. It's not just what's the big what's the big goal at the end of it. It's consistent contentment, enjoyment, giving something. And I think again, and I'm going to quote, you know, again Warren Buffett and Stephen Covey and all these people, and say that you know it's that's what it's about. Uh, and they say that the pursuit of happiness won't make you happy. The pursuit of money won't get you money. You know, what will make you money is the is good service. What will make you happy is making other people happy. So that's, to me, over, we were talking about being 50, you know, that's what I've learned in my 50 years and all the things that I've done and the failures and whatever is the big, the big goal is happiness. Yeah. And that doesn't come from looking for it. That comes from making other people happy. Something that uh, stuck with me when we first met, we were saying nearly uh, nine years ago now, is the fact that you uh, you care and you want to make a difference. And that's just stuck with me when I first met you. Didn't Steve Jobs say, make a dent in the universe? He may have actually, I don't know. <laughs> that was one of his principles. He only has seven. Yeah. And one of them, the first one is do what you love and, the, the, and uh, create a great product. Um, and uh, so, create a dent in the universe and you know it's a big universe i don't have to make a big dent but it is important so yeah
Julian, thank you so much. My pleasure.